Welcome back to Mark's Madness. Oh, yeah. We are back. We are doing it again. Doing it again. And that thing we're doing again is Mark's Madness Pod. We read books. My name Mm -hmm. is Nathan. My name's David. And this week, our book of choice is Blood in My Eye by George Jackson. Uh, Mm -hmm. We will be continuing our reading of that momentarily. But before we get into that, as we are wont to do, we are going to dally on some current events that are going on right now. And there are a number of current events uh, percolating right now. And as I am wont to do, I am going to kick it to David. Uh, yeah. So first and foremost, obviously the big thing, and we haven't touched it on a long time because people get a lot of news out there and I'd, I'd rather be the source of truth on it, especially, you know, or not be the source. I don't want that responsibility, <laughs> but I'd rather shine through the crap for people and, and instead of letting them, you know, have to, have to muck rake or just be covered in muck to, to, to stretch an analogy too far. Um, right. I mean, not, not have people fooled by this war stuff. We've said for a long time. I mean, obviously we're, we're not pro war people. They're, you know, in any sense, there's justified wars, but those are always revolutionary or defensive, right? Um, we felt Putin, none of the things he said out loud was a lie, and like putting up to tanks to the end of the Donbass was justified, but the full on invasion was not. But he was not the most to blame. Obviously, this was about Nord Stream 2. And once that crashed, the day after it crashed, he, he invaded, right? I mean, that, it, it was always about that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, you know, the U.S. tried to, to sanction and kill people and shit on the ruble. The ruble has recovered. Um, Russia has certainly been in there long enough that there are going to be a lot of civilian casualties that any war kills a lot of people. It's why you only want defensive or revolutionary, um, because any war is going to kill a lot of people through, you know, destruction of economies and infrastructure, uh, as well as the quote unquote collateral damage. Cause people are going to die. Civilians are going to die in the process. But throughout Russia has actually been careful to minimize civilian casualties. That doesn't mean they aren't there. Uh, Ukraine has not taken the same care. And of course there is supposed war crimes by Russia, even if true would pale in the comparison to your average war deaths because of just how brutal the West consistently is is but would be brutal and unacceptable uh all of the information out there though is so consistently led about from the ukrainian side you can't really get a good feel on some of these you know how many victims there were if these war crimes are true like there was the baka which the only confirmed dead is like 20 people and like there was numbers like 400 and with the 20 people dead which is the only confirmed amount there were films of ukrainians that even like Western sources and amnesty and stuff had to admit was like valid and, and war crime where like Ukrainians were torturing and shooting prisoners in the knees and stuff. And so, I mean, has Russia committed any war crimes? I don't know. They've committed one to three. I can't trust the West at all on those, right? There was a scare lately, and this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> okay. A high bar on this podcast. A high bar. The Kiev Independent, which is – where the fuck did this cutout come from, right? It just screams Western cutout. And, of course, it's been very pro, you know, Ukraine. It's not very independent from what I've I've seen. Uh, but I don't have enough information to know, you know, funds them, who's behind it, blah, blah, blah. They just – the way you get Western sources doing police stenography, right? Um, you know, according to police, man shot – in at fifth street right and the people take it as oh man shot at fifth street right like that's how you do or or you know biden says this or trump says this. that's how you do the the stenography without seeming like a stenographer right you're just reporting what was said and who said it even though you're you're platforming their idea mm-hmm. per azov 
five men have come down sick because Russia is using chemical weapons. Oh, God. And it's like, first off, your source is Nazis. I'm sorry. Like, every time I hear it, it's, it's like Azov is nothing. They're minuscule. They have no presence. And yet they're the primary source for everyone, right? Like, how do they mean so little, but they're always the primary source? Why are we trusting Nazis in the first place? Why are they the primary place the U.S. weaponizes, right? Why are you ignoring Adolf and Svoboda and Pravi Sector and all of these other right-wing amassments that, that have to do with this that are not just Azov? Um, but again, if Azov is middle school and doesn't matter, why are they always so important to everything? Why are they getting the weapons why are they getting the press why why are they this and how have they survived this if they're so minuscule they like they're on the front lines and they're minuscule there's like a couple hundred of them they'd be annihilated by now they're obviously bigger than they're saying right um or or they're not really on the front lines they're they're truly in the upper echelons of government and they're very important one of the two you know i don't know if this is the like al-qaeda um, where like ISIS is thousands of people that came out of the woodworks when we bombed Iraq and Afghanistan, but Al Qaeda was probably, frankly, like twenty to thirty people, and we acted like it was thousands, right? <laughs> like this isn't like that, okay? This is this is like if it's twenty to thirty people, they're they're deeply in the top rungs of the government, or this is thousands, and we're hearing there are a couple hundred. One of those two is happening. Whatever it is, they're very important to the West. They. They, you know, why are we listening to them about five people? Why do we care about five people just getting sick? When you bomb anywhere, chemicals are going to be flying all over, especially a port city, right? Where is the evidence for a chemical weapon attack? And I in mean, a war, in David, a war, when David, you're choosing- it is not like we are in the middle of a global airborne pandemic or anything like that mm-hmm. that could possibly be making people ill. Um, yeah. That would be that. Come on now. Well, and again, you bomb anything. I mean, you're going to get, God knows, you know, toxic fumes of, of fuels, asbestos, broken down plate. I mean, there's so many things that are in the air in a war. The air pollution is just completely destructive, right? I mean, I know some good mesothelioma <laughs> lawyers. If you need us, Azov, we've got you out here. <laughs> Um, you know, I mean, this is, this is the kind of thing that happens and they're, they're claiming Serengeti. Why would they do that? Unless they're planning again, unless every time Russia said, oh, false flag in all three occasions, what the hospital, the theater and the, the Baca, um, it really has been. And again, there's not good evidence either way. And they're planning another false flag and a very poor job of doing it. Um, but it's to try to say Russia has chemical weapons. It, it sounds very much weapons of mass destruction y, right? Mm-hmm. But also, like in the, you've accused them of three different war crimes. This is a war where, you know, hundreds of people are dying. You've shelled and killed 15,000 people in the eight years leading up to this, right? And we're supposed to worry about five Nazis getting sick? What the fuck? But David, what, what if is 10 the story? Nazis got sick? What if a hundred Nazis got sick? Think of the, think of it. I'd be sad they aren't dead. Well, That's, yeah. I mean, fuck. Why are, why do we care about this? Why was this given any platform? And this is like the main sort. People, maybe not totally. People are still going to consume so many other types of media before social media. And people are going to learn so much from like talking or just, you know, cultural osmosis, right? The way Nathan knows about movies. Hey. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I mean, it, this is a non-story, and yet it's it's what is the source that's been a bigger deal than national media, as far as at least social media goes, for the Western the the people cheering on Ukraine to say war is bad instead of just saying war is bad. The, the weirdly pro-West ones that are claiming it to not take a side, right? Um, 
why is this Kiev independence so important and so big? And why are they doing Nazi stenography? And why do we care about five Nazis getting sick? But that was the big story for like the last two days. I, I can't wrap my head around it. It's absurd. It's no, it's just the way this war has been going. It's uh, mm-hmm. very much. Yeah, it's, it's very <laughs> silly um, in, in the sense that it is so much information is blasting around at light speed and trying to decipher any of it in real time is proving uh, uh, tricky at best. Tricky yes. at best. Um, that being said, the next globally uh, relevant event that I can think of um, would definitely be uh, Imran Khan in Pakistan. Yes, yes. The soft coup in Pakistan that has... And we we touched on this, right? The, it, like, oh, he's dissolving Congress, he called for it. Well, he didn't get the revo, right? Mm-hmm. And then I guess the courts in Pakistan um, said, oh, yeah, no, he totally gets kicked out and replaced as prime minister. It's, he can do this no-confidence vote. And they've moved in another prime minister who... From my understanding, the populace does not like and thinks is like just a a Western, you know, puppet garbage person and hate. And we saw protests in huge masses in support of Imran Khan when this first came up. So right now, the U.S. has succeeded in soft coup, very much like it did in Bolivia, except without the burning buildings Mm -hmm. um, in 2019, very much. Like it did in uh, Venezuela in 2002, right? The, um, the U.S. Has, has gotten its soft coup um, to coup Imran Khan, and the only hope for it back again, turning back to Venezuela, is is hoping those protesters we saw on the street, you know, turn into people power and and push and get them back into power. Otherwise, Pakistan has been cooed. Mm-hmm. Um, which I, it, tragic. I mean, very unfortunate. Oh my this God. is every time. Yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, this is not a socialist country, so this is not no. going to be like sudden destruction of people's everything, but this is obviously being done for U.S. interest, and so the government is going to serve the needs of the people less and serve the wants of Western capital more. That includes in foreign policy, and we know how close Pakistan has been with China for decades Mm-hmm. Right. Pakistan, of course, was the whole reason China got in into Afghanistan against uh, Afghanistan against the uh, USSR. Right. That wasn't just Sino-Soviet split grudges. You know, I mean, the communist country would stick with a communist country over the U.S. with the exception of, of their own personal skirmishes like the border skirmish with Vietnam and things like that. But China also manages diplomacy and at the time was working, you know, they have a no, uh, what is it called? No um, interference policy now mm-hmm. because of mistakes like this partly and because just they think it's better for world peace where, you know, they may not be big fans of Duterte or uh, Bolsonaro, but they're going to treat diplomacy with him, you know, the same way as if it was a socialist leader. They're just trying to do what's best. You know, they're always reaching out to the U.S. for peace. Um, and, but back when, when they had like pick sides and tried to do, you know, we're the, the, the leader of the non-aligned movement and stuff like that, they had picked sides with Pakistan in, in that conflict. You know, I mean, Pakistan is very, very close ally with China and very vital to Belt and Road, which you know the U.S. is trying to crash. And now we see a soft coup. That's terribly concerning. Um, what the outcome of that means, we haven't seen yet. Uh, I haven't seen a clear policy other than Imran Khan being open to working with both China, of course, because Pakistan's been close with them for decades, and getting a little closer with Russia. 
So maybe mm-hmm. this is more of an anti-Russia thing, but you know the U.S. is trying to crash one belt, one road. Um, so I don't know what the outcome of it is. What I know is it's tragic, and hopefully the people can win the power back. And you could tell by the people pouring out in the streets, they support Imran Khan. But it takes a lot of support to to win that power back. You know, I mean, Chavez going back in after the coup was pretty special, right? The people widely supported Allende in Chile, and that didn't go well. You know, the people badly, you know, were against dissolving the Soviet Union, and 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 especially, I think it was uh, the moves Yeltsin made to to open up, you know, the energy markets and things to the West um, at the time, right? And people couldn't win back after that, so. This is a big deal, and I don't know how it's going to go. Um, so anyway, that that is the the scary thing with Pakistan is I don't know what way it's going to go. It's going to be very hard to win power back. I don't know if that's going to happen. Um, I don't know what the West has in store for this puppet. And and again, I I hate the use of agency when when some someone's elected you know some country's elected officials are getting pulled out of power for western capital interest or you know a, a leader can't serve the people or do what he wants because he's at the subservience of of uh you know colonial capital um that said i don't want to fully take the agency away from puppets because they do have even being puppets and using that word and serving you know the west primarily and having very little power they do have their own plans within that so whatever convergence of this guy's plans and the West plans are for Pakistan. It is not in the people's best interest compared to if Imran Khan uh, was in power. And it could be very concerning for, you know, other powers that are trying to serve their own people against the United States, i.e. Russia, China, you know, the official U.S. enemies right now, Iran, groups like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um. And last but not least, uh, on a domestic front, uh, we would be remiss to ignore uh, a mass shooting event in New York City this morning. Um, yes. That absolutely, the more information coming out about this is sounding just beyond fucked up, but but it's, it's cops copping hardcore and i i don't mean quite like in the kyle rittenhouse way where you know they saw him shoot people and they're like hey buddy you're one of us right i mean more in like the whole you know 9-11 commission held it speaking of al-qaeda earlier um how did you know al-qaeda get away with it where like you have an amalgamation of a group that claims to protect people clearly does not has the budget to and has the public trust for no fucking reason um to protect people supposedly right they're worried about serving their own interests there's there's conflicts within it but they're unified in ideologically they're there to defend the state and defend capital um and you know uphold colonial structures right uh and because of the disorganization, the, the the personal interests that don't really matter, as long as they're lined up for class interests, and the fact that they're lined up for class interests, essentially against people, not just essentially, against people, against the people, and for capital, um, you get these situations where it seems, if you thought that they were protecting people, this is inexcusable, this is a total blunder, none of this makes sense, right? If you think they planned this out... Uh, you know, I know they do entrapment and shit like that. And I know, again, you know, even like 9-11, you can say, oh, U.S. is responsible because they are, you know, I mean, 
they are. That doesn't mean the U.S. said on 9-11, we're going to drive a plane into a building or some shit like that, right? Like not, not, oh, jet fuel doesn't melt steel beams type shit. It's just that they don't care and that they set up the conditions for this, right? And they don't care to address it. So the NYPD just had its budget raised. Like Eric Adams went to office, immediately started attacking uh, homeless people, kicked homeless people out of the subway, right? Um, and is destroying temp uh, villages, right? People's houses is destroying them in quote unquote sweeps, right? I mean, while, he's killing while people. saying, and this okay, just just a little brainworm for 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 everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eric Adams compared himself to a disciple of Christ while he yeah. was doing that. Uh, he said, yeah. if the disciples were here, they'd have been on the streets helping clear out these homeless people too. Yes, um, just. Again, you know, the the only way to translate that is that like houses people are somehow demonic. It's a very, very fucked up. It's it's openly saying that Christianity is white supremacy, right? Christianity has been used for white supremacy. White supremacy finds its justification in Christianity. If you you can read the Bible and interpret it where it's like I, I think we talked about this last episode. You interpret it as like serve the poor and you know um um don't you know don't serve rome serve god and and all that stuff right and and go completely left wing or you can read it and go sinner's bad god is the only one whatever or you can read it completely cynically and just use it for your white supremacist ends which coincides very well with the sinner's bad and everything is a sin bullshit right yep eric adams speaking is and is sounding the same way that like manifest destiny people and like the one God, one country people are speaking where like anything that gets in the way of white supremacy, any other, any, you know, group that has been oppressed, right. Deserves to be there for its sins and is wrong. And it's God's will to punish them. Um, it's, it's very, very monstrous, right? It's, uh, uh, what is the edict? The 1450 edict that came right before Columbus that was basically used in like every law to, to genocide indigenous people in the 18th and 19th centuries and 20th centuries. The only edict I, I ever know of is the edict of worms because it has the word worms ah. in it. And I think that's funny. Um, so <laughs> no, I can't remember that it's the, the one in 1450. I, I oh, that one. Oh, do you mean yeah. the one in 1450? David, Shut obviously up. it's the edict of worms shut up shut up i'm just trying to think out loud okay my brain does not work this way where i think of things you know how i am i can't think of words all right yeah words uh, words is hard on the podcast where we read books we're this is yeah, this is right. the level words, of sacrifice we will make words words are hard and bad and and history in the podcast where we tie history back to everything is very hard so you know i don't i don't remember things i just have scrabble brain um but anyway, uh, it's very much in that character, right? So while this is all happening and police presence is, I mean, police are, have a $10.4 billion budget in, in New York. Edict and I just, of Nance. Thank you. Um, I just typed in 1450 edict into Google. Guys, it's um, amazing I'm what not- we can do with this technology. <laughs> is that the, that sounds right, but I got to make sure. It's the definitive right. work on the political and military dimensions of the Huguenot efforts to secure a place in the late 16th century French society. Yes, because it. Uh, no, this was the Spanish one. Because um, this is the one that essentially justified the Spanish Inquisition and all colonialism. Look, guys, all right, I got. I've now got two edicts. That's that's as many edicts as you're going to get from me. I, I, you're not okay. getting anything else. I'm sorry. Great. David is no brain. Nathan is no Google. We good. All right. So, <laughs> look, Google, my Googling skills were fine. I had bad inputs, apparently, is all I'm saying. 
<laughs> I'm the bad input, folks, just so you know. Uh, so anyway, um, so again, you know, I mean, houses people have been completely terrorized in this time. And the subways, there's been a growing, like, cracking down. It happened for years, but it's been growing more strict. Cracking down on fare skipping, right? You skip you mm-hmm. skip the toll and, and, and jump over the turnstile, and you're more likely to get arrested than, than, again, very literally someone committing murder. And now in the subway, where there's all these cops to attack people hopping turnstiles, where there's all kinds of, this is a total surveillance state, right? I don't know how many times I've had to say people are worried about, like, Chinese cc uh tv and the u.s has it worse and that's before you get into like all the the ring and, and all the stuff that 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 like you know jeff bezos stores every fucking thing and can sell it to the government at will i mean like the actual you know government surveillance you're talking about ring cameras not 2001 film classic the ring correct Maybe I'm talking about both. Who knows? Okay, I'm just very uh, confused. <laughs> also, I really hope that movie came out in 2001 because I said that very confidently. Uh, but proceed. But proceed. So anyway, you know, I mean, God damn it! I was off by a year. <laughs> Son of a bitch. And we even were already talking about 2002. God damn it, Nathan. Oh, I was uh, so close. I was so close. Everything's connected. It's all a web of lies. Uh, so anyway, um. God, we are going off on weird tangents and chuckling about something yeah, very tragic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, there was a mass shooting. I think it injured 13 people. I don't think anyone's died I thought 16. Died I thought 16 was the last number 16. I saw. 16, okay. But when we say injuries, I mean, these are like hospital-level injuries. These are major life-changing surgeries um, that can permanently disable you, can completely crash your life with, with you know, even just the hospital bill alone because – this is the United States of America. Uh, they can be life-threatening. It just means the person, people did not die, right? That does not mean it's nothing. It's not like a scratch or a stub toe. Um, so 16 injuries, um, and the person got away. And from all the reports I'm seeing, the NYPD could have stopped them as soon as they threw out the smoke bomb before, you know, before ever escaping. Yeah. Um, and they didn't. They, they they just flat out didn't. And weirdly, all of the surveillance, the cameras didn't work where the guy is. Yeah. And th- and then we've had indicators in typical cop speak because the news will do police stenography and not bat an eye about it and just throw it out there. And so if you learn how to translate it, oh, yeah. Um, and people over the years have learned how to translate cop speak to when someone is white and when someone is not. Yeah. And... What was it? It's not your classic terrorist or classical terrorist. Oh, man, I hadn't seen that, but good God. Oh, yeah. The quote from the NYPD was like, this is not your classic case of terrorism or something like that. It's like, oh, so they're white. <laughs> like that's, See, that's what that fucking means. I Okay, this is, this is interesting because I had heard black male initially, so I was unsure. Mm. I'm unsure. Oh, okay. Um so I do not. I do yeah, not know. I've never. I have never heard them again. I don't know who the suspect is. I. They, I don't think they've announced anything on that. No. Other than no, he's no, no. wearing a gas mask and a backpack. I want to say. Yeah. A, a green. Himself. A green construction vest. A literal neon reflective vest. NYPD. Yes. Yes. A, 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 ma- a gas mask on his face when he threw the gas canister and everybody's running out from the gas. A neon neon vest. Like he's basically saying, "Please arrest me," and they fucked this up yeah um 10.4 billion dollars and they can't solve this again police are not there to protect you um and and this is aside from adams cutting the budget on everything that's not cops while he he increased the cops budget um but it's not even that the cameras didn't work so you have all the surveillance all the way through the subway but right where it's needed 
because I guess that's the poor people area, right? They're cool surveilling poor people, but not in a spot where it might lead to safety. I, I don't know. It, it um, or feel- maybe they're just saying the cameras don't work because then it would show that they fucked up and didn't arrest the guy. Because I mean, cops lie. Cops just lie. I, I I don't know how much of this I believe um, and how much is the cops lying. What I do know is they let the guy get away and they should not have. And they use terms that make it sound in typical cop racism speak like a white shooter. And, and that kind of jives with the fact that he got away i mean again i don't want to make it like like you know so clear cut so like a uh what do you call the dichotomy um um flow chart um, no no a dichotomy that can't cross over each other a mutually exclusive i don't want to sound like some some mutually exclusive dichotomy right where like if you're white you will get away and if you're a person of color you will not but the trends are so overwhelming uh, uh, especially these, and most mass shootings are not public, right? Most mass shootings are in private and homes. It's like, you know, a mass shooting is like a guy killing his whole family. Um, it, it, most mass shootings are not public mass shootings, and yet we still have more public mass shootings probably than most countries have mass shootings, period. Um, that's how oh, terrifying... No, we, we are the mass shooting kings. Don't, don't get yeah, it twisted, that, number one. That's how yeah, that's how terrifying this gun violence is and how little cops help with it in spite of all of the budgets they have. Um, but there was no excuse for this, this to happen and, and these people to, or this guy to get away and, and them not to have him arrested. But the cameras supposedly didn't work. And I don't know if that's a oops, our body cameras didn't work because they let him get away or if they just fucked up because they're assholes, right? If the cameras happen to not work there, does the guy know the cameras didn't work? You know, yeah. is he maybe, is he maybe, an off-duty or retired cop that would know that, right? I mean, there's so many things that you can unpack, but the clear thing is, they threw money at the cops, they attacked houseless people, they cut the funding from everything else, and they didn't solve the one problem that they claim to solve. People are injured, people are scared, it's a major encroachment on safety and everyday life, it's traumatic, and... It, the response is just going to be demanding more police violence, which will solve nothing, and nothing. we cannot fall for if, that. We if have anything, cause more violence. Yeah, we have to be militant in our abolitionist stance, and we have to, you know, again, their thing was, remember remember how the whole cop talking point was, oh my god, crime spiked up, because, I don't know, maybe people weren't locked in their homes uh, <laughs> in 2021, and oh my god, crime spiked up when you're clutting the police budget, and most of the places didn't even have the law fully passed, like, they, maybe they didn't have a law, they just talked about it, or maybe they had a law passed, but it wasn't in effect. Like, most places didn't actually have the police defunding happening, and it was, oh, the crime spiked up. And now we have the police growth in funding and the other budget cuts and the attack on houses people actually happening. We need to be able to say, no, you said this. You flooded the police. You have a a, a police unit that would be the seventh largest army in the world by budget and to the point my Michael Bloomberg was bragging about that in what 2011 um, and they didn't do anything they didn't solve the problem they don't solve any problem and they're hyper focused on the subway and they did not solve the problem they failed spectacularly and do not even have a suspect and at this point with all of the failures and with the fact that they don't have you know video and things like that I don't know how trustworthy any suspect they come up with would be it's going to be... And I don't... You know, and what what is supposed to solve, right? Yeah. It doesn't... It won't solve the next shooting. No. It really... It, it, it won't. It never does. 
right? Um, and so again, you know, we have to be militant in our abolitionism. It also brings up something, any mass shooting, I, I, I want to say something important because as abolitionists, we have to have our language strong and careful. And one thing we always deal with, always deal with in these mass shootings is a growth of ableism out of it, right? There's the right-wing talking point, oh, it's not guns, it's just some crazy guy with a gun, which just means, I mean, that's explicitly ableism. If you don't think it's insulting to use the term crazy or use mental illness in a derogatory fashion, you're saying mental illness is the only explanation for violence, therefore, if there's violence, we should retroactively assign mental illness to it. That's a, a, a terrible thing. And liberals come out with, with the same kind of thing. You know, oh, the guns are the problem. And, you know, we, we got to have like mental health screenings and things like that before you buy a gun. Right. Mm-hmm. And and then you've got people that are on the abolitionist side and they say something that's very well intended and not untrue. But the meaning that can be taken out of it is horrendous. OK, we do have lacking um, budgets for mental health in this country. We just do. There's yeah. not enough going into mental mental wellness in this country. No. And these shootings do show that that's needed, but that is not needed as a preventative measure. Better better mental um wellness or better mental, you know, therapy, mental health. Um and I, I suddenly have lost for words. Uh, mental illness treatment. Treatment for mental illness. There we go. Oh my god. Found the word treatment. Holy shit. <laughs> um better treatment for mental illness will not prevent the problem. It's not preventative measure because unchecked mental illness is not the key to the violence. That is a an ableist talking point that breeds attacks and violence towards people with mental illness, especially police violence, which, again, is a big subject here if you're being an abolitionist, right? Um, yeah. It is, is something that you know, excuses violence. It excuses white supremacy. People never can look at the white supremacy, which is not always the case in these mass shootings, but is overwhelmingly the case, right? It, it's been overwhelmingly the case since Columbine. And all you heard about is kids getting bullied when these, those kids were little Nazis, right? And nobody talks about that. Um, so again, white supremacy is overwhelmingly the problem. And even where it's not, there's a myriad of issues, right? We as communists, no, we don't want gun laws because we know what groups that'll be cracked down on. And we yeah. know eventually we, we do have to stand up for ourselves and do community defense. That doesn't mean we think like Second Amendment rights are good or that we real don't realize that unchecked gun laws just funnel guns to rich people for white supremacy. Um, we just realize the solutions won't be that, – that are provided by this capitalist state won't be any better, right? Yeah. Um, I mean there's a myriad of causes that get into it. In this country, there is this belief that going and killing people on foreign ground in – you know – innocent people combatants whatever overwhelmingly innocent people is something that leads to ptsd somehow right oh go kill you know a bunch of women and children you know shoot up some schools maybe raid some people whatever come home oh my god you poor victim ptsd that's our idea of ptsd post-traumatic stress disorder is usually far more common in the victims of violence than the perpetrators right it's it's you know victims of domestic abuse victims of of rape victims of the wars overseas Victims in these mass shootings are going to overwhelmingly deal with not only was this trauma that can exacerbate existing uh, issues with mental illness, but it can cause post-traumatic stress disorder. So a response to these does need to be greater funding for 
treatment of mental illness. And we do not need to fund the police more. We do need to fund other efforts that can prevent this. Mm-hmm. Funding for treatment for mental illness is not a preventive measure, and you should not posit it as that. Because when people do that, it ties that into mental illness being a source of violence, and that excuses police violence on disabled people. Absolutely. And that will end a lengthy current events section for this week. A lot going yes. on since we last recorded. It's been for you guys. It's only been a week, but we 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 had a week uh, week off in between there that that added some time. So you know, just just a lot to get caught up on. Uh, mm-hmm. That being said, we will be launching into the work for this week. We are starting on page thirty four, second paragraph down in Blood in My Eye by George Jackson, and we start with violence is not supposed to work in America. For no one that is except the omnipotent administrator. But this has yet to be proven to my proved to my satisfaction, since I know that a bomb is a bomb is a bomb. It twists steel, shatters concrete, and dismembers men everywhere else in the world. Why not those made in America? A bullet fired from an assault rifle in the hands of a Vietnamese liberation fighter will kill a pig in Vietnam. Why won't it kill a pig in the place where pigs are made? Counterterrorism is a facet of urban people's guerrilla warfare. It's our logical response to the repressive measures taken by the enemy state to contain us in the early stages of the rebellion. Our military cadre involved in this activity has the tactical advantage over the establishment's terrorists only if we remain clandestine. While working at the direction of a political front, we must remain separate from it. The ranks of these early soldiers must be absolutely impervious to infiltration. Precautions must be made to keep this cadre impenetrable to police spies and less committed comrades. In the coming of the New International, John Gerasi observed that, as a leading pragmatist, Lenin believed that the only way a revolution could come about in Europe in his time was by the creation of a revolutionary organization. That organization had to be tight, well-trained, loyal to its central committee, dedicated, and narrow. Not only for ideological reasons, hence purges and sectarian splits were to be encouraged during its formative years, but also for security. And Lenin states, the more we can find the membership of such an organization to people who are professionally engaged in revolutionary activity and who have been professionally trained in the art of combating the police, the more difficult it will be to unearth the organization. One of Jonathan's reports contains the following. I find it almost impossible to trust comrades after all, not after all of this. They say Gloves Davis, a black pig, killed Fred Hampton while he was asleep. I certainly don't have to mention all the so-called defectors who are now appearing before government committees testifying for the state. They were infiltrators to begin with. The House Negroes who ran to the high sheriff as noon as as soon as someone whispered revolt. I think I hate them worse than I hate the sheriff or the owner. I'm just a young slave, you say, trying to understand and cope with my environment. I know personalities have no place in the revolution, but every time I think of Davis, just be simple, Karenga, and the rest of these murderous turncoat idiots, my my trigger finger fairly itches. Non-persons like Karenga, Leroy Jones, and the other right-wing blacks are intelligent enough to know what they are doing. We cannot excuse them with this case that we can excuse the average brother who has had no opportunity or inclination to search. The mantle of ignorance doesn't cover their behavior. They have to know that when they attack socialism, the communist ideal, and the revolution, they are not logically or illogically depending, attacking all that is white, etc. They know that Ho Chi Minh isn't white, or Chairman Mao, or Nkrumah, or Lumamba, uh, and Toure. 
They know that there isn't but one fight going on across this planet, the one between the imperialist forces of capitalism and its victims. They know that it was work that we were kidnapped. They know it was for work that we were kidnapped. What else do you feed a slave for? These black, 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 black men, if you can swallow their shit, if you can swallow their shallow shit, okay, alliteration coming fast and loose here, Mm -hmm. have had time to study some have time to study. Some have traveled. They know that it was capitalist agriculture economics that first caused our pain and that the only change since then is the decline of the agricultural elite and the rise of the modern bourgeoisie. A sweatshop displaced the plantation. Could it have escaped their notice that all the African states that really liberated themselves booted out the foreign businessmen and are now socialist states? Yeah, I'm, and I'm going to pause here for a couple reasons. Again, we talked about before, he comes at you hot, right? He comes at you like he's talking to other revolutionaries. He expects you, and to some degree, in our, you know, listeners of our show are going to know who Ho Chi Minh is and Mao is, for God's sake. I would hope by, you know, they would know Nkrumah after the last book we read. Mm-hmm. Uh, they would know, you know, Ture, right? Um, and uh, um, for people who, um, don't know who uh, Patrice Lumumba is. Uh, he was, you know, the first coup African leader. He was an elected leader uh, on a socialist platform in the Congo. Um, again, most of our listeners are probably going to know that. These are all people that that people hear that name and they know well, right? Uh, most people probably don't know Milana Karanga. Okay, um, Milana Karanga was the guy that he he was in a, a an organization that was. Um, literally called organization us, right? It was the us and them language. And it was meant to be like, you know, revolutionary and, and, and supposedly black nationalist, but it was very opposed to the Black Panthers. It was, you know, we don't want any of that socialism stuff type thing. And it was used very much by the U.S. state to attack black revolutionaries. Um, and it had very open rivalry with the Black Panthers at the time. Um, also, side note, uh, Milana Karanga is also the founder of the Holiday Kwanzaa. Um, just fun little nugget there. Mm. Yeah. Um, but that that's who that is. So, like I said, we'll try to, to give you context in there. They do put a footnote in there. Uh, his former name is, is in the footnote, Ron Karanga. His b- birth name was actually Ron Everett, I think. Um, but, uh, but Maluna Karenga is, or Maulana Karenga. I'm sorry. I I should pronounce that better. Even if he's an asshole, um, I should still pronounce African names properly. Um, Maulana Karenga is who they're talking about. Is who, who, uh, uh, George Jackson's talking about here. Thank you. Because I had no idea. Yeah. No, I think the strongest suggestion is that they are working for the government. The new House Negroes, and for, and what better way is there for them to sell themselves to us than to scream black, 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 black? Like Tom Mboya, whose whole service for the CIA was to redirect the revolutionary rage of the people into a thing more compatible with the interests on Western businessmen. They are spies. Death to spies. I don't think it is a personality clash at all for us to teach these black pigs that we will not be altered from our course, that the reward for counter-revolution is death. We can't continue to expect or wish for loyalty to the people. We'll have to demand it. And that's both from these cowardly fat mouths who come to us in their disguise, cultural nationalism, and from the class defectors who's Tommy gun us in our sleep. I'll make an example of Gloves Davis, even if I have to hobo to Chicago. They'll find him strung up to a streetlight by his heels with our sign burned in his forehead. Tests must be devised to guard ourselves against the possibility of those fools getting into our separate military groups. 
There is no way to stop the infiltration of an above-ground political party, but we can guard the clandestine army by letting no one choose us, even if they did not know about us and could find us. We do the choosing. Once we choose someone to do the people's military's work, they should be isolated and tested thoroughly, and their background checked. There are patterns to people's lives, especially blacks, that if studied, one can easily spot pig tendencies and connections. Checks could be run through some of our political people who have friends or sympathizers who own, say, used car lots or any business that generally deals in credit. A great deal can be learned through the various credit check institutions these days. We'll be using one of their own instruments for the real purpose that they invented it, against them. Generally, that's the way it will be throughout the war. I, I do like that. We So there's... There's two things in theory that we talk about, um, and one is the expression. I suddenly am at a loss for words of, of uh, you can't you can't overthrow the master's house using the master's tools. Who am I not thinking? That's a quote from. Is that not Fanon? Uh, no, 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 no. That's uh, what's her name? Um, um. Oh my god! I suddenly can't think. Um, okay, so first, let me get back to the other one. Is is Marx basically saying like you know? Now I can't think of the specific Marx quote. Like we'll use their tools. They're giving us the tools for revolution. What is the Marx quote that says that? My brain is goop today. Audrey Lord. Oh my god! Audrey there Lord. we go. Okay. Holy cow! Okay, so the Audrey Lord quote that we can't use the master's tools to destroy the master's house. That's talking more like you can't like seize the U S state as is right. You can't like be elected to president and overthrow racism. Um, yeah. pretty prescient quote <laughs> with the past yeah. presidency of Obama. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can't just like, you know, be elected and, and went through electoralism and, and do that. That's what, that's what Audrey Lord meant with you can't, use the master's tools to, to disassemble the master's house. You can't use white supremacist structures to end white supremacy. Marx also has a quote that I'm at total loss for words for, um, where he says something along the lines as they will give us the tools to overthrow them. Right. And he's talking about industrialization. So like when you put us all in a factory together, right. That's allowing us to organize. That's allowing the fact that you own the means of production and we produce. That's how you oppress us. That also gives us the tool to overthrow you because we can stop production and strike and seize power and take it away from you. And what do you have other than this law and this ownership and, and bullshit? We can overthrow that. That's, that's, you're a paper tiger, right? Yeah. That's, that's the Marx quote. And George Jackson is, is going along the same lines here, but in a little more clever way. Cause again, this is talking about class clandestine and guerrilla specifics he's saying hey you're going to use credit checks right the point of credit is to track someone track their purchases this is going to allow banks to to know who people are and and what they're involved in what their daily life is you know supposedly for for uh better loans but it, it basically is a way to track all of your information and purchases and things like that if you're going to have all your information tied to this social security number tied to this credit score Oh, we can use that too. You know, the same way as he said, Hey, you're going to make these weapons, you know, and, and like flamethrowers to, to try to genocide Vietnamese people. What if we get a flamethrower? Right. <laughs> oh, the flamethrower. Back to the flamethrower again. <laughs> Back to the flamethrower. Right. And, and so he, he does a very good job. And so those are points that sound diametrically opposed. But they actually are in not only just coincide or can work together, they are in full agreement. They make the other one true. It's just as an expression, they sound diametrically opposed when you don't understand that context. So Marx is talking about industrialization and organizing and alienation of labor. And with alienation of labor, we're dissatisfied, but we also control the work with exploitation. 
we really hold the power with our labor, right? And so we will use your own tools against you. George Jackson here is using very specific tools like credit checks, line throws, things like that. We can use your tools against you. Why wouldn't we? Just seize it. And then Andre Lord is saying you can't take white supremacist structures to end white supremacy. And all of those thoughts don't only work together, they reinforce each other. Um, so that's good. I also like, once again, he's going at another dig at Kenya. He really did not like Kenya. There was the early dig at, at Kenyatta. Um, mm-hmm. And now uh, I suddenly forget his name. Let me scroll back up. It's Kenyatta's successor. Uh, Mayaboto, is that his name? Imbo- um, uh, yeah. Yeah. Imboto. So, yeah. Yeah, Imboto. That's it. Um, Imboto was the successor to, to Kenyatta in, in Kenya. They were the, the, the anti-communist you know, one of the anti-communist African leaders and countries. So, yeah, we, we I talked about, you know, he'll throw that stuff in there. He He's continuing to do that, and he does not like the Kenyan leaders. <laughs> oh, it doesn't seem so. Uh, testing no. can be developed um, into a science. Written stuff to help reestablish for ourselves the patterns of this soldier's background. You know, full commitment generally comes as a result of awareness, and awareness is the product of study and observation. The things a person has gone to the effort of reading and analyzing say a great deal about his character. In other words, very few black intelligence agents will have studied Marx, Mao, Lenin, Fanon, cats like that in depth. You can generally tell what processes a man's mind has gone through by what he studied, observed. So examine even the post office will do that. Written and oral tests, drugs are not to be discounted either, oral tests under truth drugs, then you have the ultimate test, the things that no agent of the establishment could do, like assassinate the local head of the Gestapo, bring him out of of isolation, blindfolded, arm him, tell him what to do and where to go afterwards and wait. I think you could be fairly sure of him after a series of tests like this. We're only thinking in terms of a small, highly trained, super-seeker, counter-cluxist vanguard group. However, dealing with people you've known over the years and have seen tested and fired already is best. Like me, you and your comrades, and mine. The blacks who join the army expeditionary forces just for profit, the cats who steal them blind and hustle the other suckers, they are starting to stir, to become aware also. Yeah, so we've been through, I mean, one of the earlier works we, we read, and it wasn't what is to be done, we're letting details of the vanguard party, but, but you know, Two of the first three things we, we read were Lenin, right? State and revolution and imperialism. Lenin very much openly believed throughout all his works in a vanguard party. Um, we were also talking earlier in this book about how, A, we appreciate all the other work of the revolutionaries. They're all important. Um, you know, someone doesn't have to be a perfect revolutionary to be a revolutionary. And, and we're on their side and we're going to learn from their mistakes. But if they're not keeping up and we've got to move on, we've got to cut bait. We've got to be militant. We can't, you know cow to to unity right unity is the best we have our strength in numbers but militancy is the most important and when we're being militant we're not going to like turn against our comrades we're just going to move on you know that's especially true of the vanguard specifically the clandestine arm of the vanguard which is what he's talking about here um and so this is a very good way to give you a concrete example of the importance of a vanguard and what a vanguard actually means, but this is not necessarily the vanguard as a party. This is the vanguard as a clandestine military group doing the work of the party. Exactly. This Vietnam adventure on the part of the fascist has vastly changed the whole relationship between the masses and the ruling class. Sure as hell did. Yeah. Um, can you detect the subtle changes? Uh, we were probably the closest we've ever been to a socialist revolution during the height of that. While George yep. Jackson was writing this, 
yes, I think I could see the subtle changes. Uh, the really ugly side of imperialism is being demonstrated for not just the people who suffer its effects abroad, but for the little sleepy guy here inside the U.S. <laughs> I like that description. Yeah. Uh, they're, re- they're starting now to make the link between foreign wars and foreign businesses, and they're better able to make comparisons and conclusions. Ho Chi Minh versus Kai, for example. People are all starting to say such things as, some form of socialism is the answer. Time to move. We must show them that resistance is possible and that there is a hard left cadre willing to lead it. Conditions are right now, for these beginnings at least, of a revolutionary culture. These conditions have always been present here inside the black colony, but no leadership until now. Um, again, some things seem a little familiar and pressing at time. Like people are all starting to say things such as some form of socialism is the answer. And we need to show them that a hard left cadre exists. Mm-hmm. Um, they, you know, there's a reason we're reading these works. Um, yes. If we can keep the Panther alive by protecting the party workers with a show of underground strength, watching the Watcher assassinating the assassins, I think the people will start to listen to them. Blacks have grown very cynical to all groups who make claims in the area of problem solving. Understandable. Yeah. Um, since there have been one million groups and no problem solved. <laughs> Uh, the physical conditions are right for the start of a protracted war. We have yet to hit the tactic for control of attitudes, however. How to make people organize and resist the ruin of their lives. Still trying to find that tactic. Yeah. Um, and as for certain, we'll never figure out the right tactic if the pigs keep killing off and busting all the vanguard elements. Hmm. Mm-hmm. The time has come. Bobby's seize the time makes sense. We can't build a mass movement without finding some way to stay alive long enough to let them know we're here. Again, be willing to die for the revolution, but you need to live for the revolution. Yes. You're trying to win a war, not empirically lose it and, and hold up the, the grand flag of revolution. But, you know, we, if that happens, you did your best. I would never shit on revolutionaries, but we've done that enough. Yes. Let's win. Yes. Um, we can't build a mass movement without finding some way to stay alive long enough to let them know we're here and that we're not just out to play on them. That we are finally prepared to totally commit ourselves to the fight. That we will never abandon them when the pig moves in with his pistols and paddy wagons. That we're willing to take it to the graveyard. A show of organizational skill and valid anti-establishmentism will always bring on violence from the fascist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The people know this, so they must also know that this violence can be countered before they'll believe and respond. The ruling class tremble at a communist revolution. That's my favorite line in all of Marx and Engels. From Fanon, it's the time for talking has ended, the time for acting has begun. Long live the guerrilla, John. And so that was, again, another letter from Jonathan Jackson that is just... You can see how militant and, and how brilliant he was. I mean, he and George... I don't think it's kind of like Marx and Engels, right? You can't take one's work without fully understanding both of them together. Yeah, I think so. I think they definitely, you, you can see the influences that, that George obviously had on John. And then you can see yes. John developing his own independent and, and thoroughly militant ideas of what revolution would look like and how it was to be done and why yes. that included a flamethrower. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why that included a flamethrower. <laughs> I'm That's never going to get over the flamethrower. Never going to get no. over it. Nope. Um, the counter-terrorist 
faceless, nameless specialist in all martial arts, is the first soldier of the people. His violence will be swift, surprising, explosive, and tied into a clearly political matrix. In some cases of assassination, it may be wise to make them appear as accidents, but that still doesn't reduce the political content. Again, you know, this can't be just acts of, of terrorism because that would just bring on suppression. They have to be tied to politics. That w- that's what makes them revolutionary action. They have to be political and viable, and then you can measure them on strategy. Yes. Um, these workers, properly distributed and going about their tasks with secret, flawless precision and in perfect unison with the political front, will shake the fascists to their very foundations. Their limited, highly selective violence is the absolute minimum for enforcing the demands of the people. Anything less will fail. We are not dealing with nice people. We will throw down their guns and see. Who will throw down their guns? I'm sorry. Let me start that sentence over because it's a pretty important sentence. (laughs) We are not dealing with people. We are not dealing with nice people who will throw down their guns and submit to our will because we outnumber them. From the vantage point of established power in history, they know that one armed man can control a thousand. People's war is not polite or proper. It is not possible to limit the scope and range of violence to what the enemy will bear without reacting. Any ideal, any activity that may do violence to their control will never be permitted. People's war is improvisation and more improvisation. It is organizing these masses around their realistic needs and moving them against whatever forces restrict their passage to power. I repeat, realistic day-to-day needs should be the basis of organizing people and making them conscious of revolution. I will repeat his repeating. Realistic day-to-day needs should be the basis of organizing people and making them conscious of revolution. That the world, the universe, must revolve. That it will stop, stagnate, and die for no man's privilege. Uh, that has some weird prescience, too, with climate change, right? The world oh, yeah. is going to keep spinning, even if humans go extinct, right? No, yep. nobody's profits is going to stop the world from spinning. Climate change is here, and the only thing we can do is manage it as humanity. You know, reverse it, roll it back, and and I hate that the deadline. Oh my God, we're past the deadline; we can never go back. It's important to understand that there truly is a deadline, and that you can't go back after that. But these these estimates, it's it's all scaled, right? We could do worse or better. We can always reverse it. It's just more work to reverse it and less of the effects are, are relevant as it goes farther down the line. But we can always turn it back. We should never panic about a deadline. And then when we hit that deadline or we don't think we have enough time, it's over. That just breeds nihilism, right? Yeah. We should have haste. We should heighten it. But the earth is not going to die, only humanity will die, and humanity will only die if we let them. Humanity is not going to just die for one man's privilege. It's just a matter of how well humanity organizes. Amen. That being said, that is where we will end it for this week on page 41. We will be picking up here next week, same time, same place. But before then, there are a number of different ways that you could reach out to us if you'd like to. Uh, the first of which is through email. Our email address is marksmadnesspod at gmail.com. The next way you can reach out to us is on Twitter. We are at Mark's Madness Pod on Twitter, and a link to our Discord server is in our Twitter bio, and that is the last place you can contact us, uh, is through Discord. It is the place that Nathan spends the majority of his time um, when he is not you know, roaming the countryside doing his wandering Ronin things that he does. Um, but when, when we're on Discord, it is just a great community. It's a great place to bounce ideas off each other, talk, vent, uh, just have a community of people that are there to listen and empathize and, and try our best to, to make the world a little bit of a better place. Um, and I love it. And we play Final Fantasy XIV. 
So, you know, do that if you play Final Fantasy fourteen and are a communist. Um, that being said, David, it is time for a disclaimer. Yeah, so obviously uh, Nathan and I started this. When Nathan came up to me, he was like, hey, I want to read Capital. You've read Capital before. You should read these things in a group. Let's read it together. Let's see if we can get more out of it. Um, you know, and anytime you're reading theory, you should be reading it a group, bouncing it off each other. Uh, it helps you remember it. It helps you get the most out of it, understand context, um, understand other people's inputs and how it applies to you. And so we recorded it. And you know, just thinking our group was small because we're just two people. And after recording enough, we decided, you know what, we'll go forward. We'll do a podcast. We'll see if we get some more people listening with us. And lo and behold, you guys are here since those humble beginnings. Um, (laughs) I'm saying humble beginnings like an asshole. uh, (laughs) What we've always hoped for is that, uh, you know, hopefully you're out in some party, some organization and your political education group or reading group is reading these books along with us. And hopefully we can just be another couple of voices in that crowd. We can give you more of that input, more of that context, more of that perspective uh, and help you get the most out of it, help you review the book again just to, to fully soak it in. Um, let's say that's not happening and you're reading it on your own. Hopefully we can be that reading group and you can get all of those benefits out of it from listening to the podcast. And let's say that's not happening. Let's say it's either a book like this where we're reading it more word for word and we're kind of an enhanced ebook or a book we summarize more. Whatever we can do to get these works out there to you and make them more accessible to you because we want these works out there guiding your actions. When theory is put into an action, a revolutionary action, that's a phenomenon called praxis. Praxis, of course, by definition, cannot exist without theory and theory is completely useless without that praxis. They go hand in hand. They are tied at the hip. Amen. As always, that being said, this has been Mark's Madness Pod. We read books. My name is Nathan. My name is David. And we will talk to you all next week. Bye. Bye.